Hi everyone, welcome back to the Daily Gospel Exegesis Podcast. As always, we're going to try and analyse the text of today's Gospel. We, we want to try and do a verse-by-verse exegesis of Scripture to try and get at the literal sense of the text. What did it mean in its original context? Today's reading is from John chapter 20, verses 2 to 8. On the first day of the week, Mary of Magdala came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, she said, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter set out with the other disciple to go to the tomb. They ran together, but the other disciple, running running faster than Peter, reached the tomb first. He went down, he bent down and saw the linen cloths lying on the ground, but did not go in. Simon Peter, who was following, now came up, went right into the tomb, saw the linen cloths on the ground, and also the cloth that had been over his head. This was not with the linen cloths, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in. He saw and he believed. So that's our passage for today. Now let's have a go at doing an exegesis of the text. The first thing you always want to ask yourself when you're doing an exegesis is what's the context? What has happened just before this? Well, the main thing that's happened just before John chapter 20 is Jesus has died on the cross in John chapter 19 and they have laid him in the tomb. So now we get to verse 1 and it's the first day of the week. Now in Jewish reckoning, that's Sunday. So we're talking about Sunday two days after Jesus dies. So very early in the morning while it's still dark. And if we have our dating right, this would be Sunday, April 5th, 33 AD. And Mary of Magdala is coming to the tomb. So Mary of Magdala, she appears in the Gospels as one of Jesus' closest friends and followers. And she was at the foot of the cross. So she comes to the tomb, and we know from the Gospel of Mark, if you compare this story with the version in the Gospel of Mark, that she's not alone here. She's with some other women. So Joanna is there, Mary, uh, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and they've all come to anoint the body with spices. If you read Mark 16, the start of that chapter, you'll see that there's a group of women that have come here early in the morning to anoint the body with spices. She saw that the stone had been moved away from the tomb. Now, according to the Gospel of Matthew, um, Mary Magdalene and the other women, they actually see an angel descend from heaven and they see the angel roll the stone away. So if we put these two Gospels together, it appears that as soon as that happens, where the women see the stone being rolled away, Mary of Magdalene now leaves and she runs back to Peter and John, which is what happens in our Gospel. So she leaves the other women at the tomb. And Mary Magdalene, verse 2, came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. So she's not going to all the apostles, although later in the day the other apostles will be told, but she's going to, it appears to be the two leaders, basically, Simon Peter and the other disciple. Those that she recognises are the leaders of the Christian community. So Peter, obviously he's the head apostle, and the last time we saw him, he had denied Jesus. And the other disciple is not named here. It's just called the one whom Jesus loved. Most scholars would say the fact that he's not named in the Gospel of John 
probably indicates that it's John himself. The author is the Apostle John. So, we're probably talking here about the author, now talking about himself in third person. So, Peter and John, and she says to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So, who's the they that she's talking about? Who's the, who does she think has taken Jesus out of the tomb? It appears that because Mary Magdalene at this stage hasn't yet seen Jesus, so she doesn't believe he's been resurrected. All she knows is that the tomb is empty. That's all she knows for sure. So she interprets this to mean that someone has taken his body. That's her her theory. Someone has taken his body. And in that culture, it was quite common for robbers to break into graves and to uh, steal bodies. So that's what she thinks happened, is that there's been a grave robber who's come and stolen Jesus. So the two disciples set out to find find out the truth. And it says that the other disciple outran Peter. So John outran Peter. And that's probably because John is younger than Peter. John is probably about 30 years old, whereas Peter might be 50-something. Now, it does sound a bit like a cheeky comment from the Apostle John here. He's kind of showing off a bit in saying that I ran, I outran Peter. So they come to the tomb, and you've probably seen pictures of what the tomb looks like. It would have been a large carving in the wall, and for quite it was quite common for wealthy people, like Joseph of Arimathea, who owned this tomb, they would actually have private tombs set into the wall, much like you do see in the pictures. So they come to this large carving in the wall, and they go in, and they see the linen cloths lying on the ground. And John now spends a bit of time describing what kind of cloths they see. So there's something significant about these cloths. The fact that the cloths are lying on the ground, and these are the cloths that are used to wrap the dead person, that probably suggests to the readers of John's original gospel, it would have indicated to them that it wasn't robbers, because robbers don't unwrap the corpse before stealing it. They just get in quickly, grab the whole corpse with the cloths and then leave. So they wouldn't unwrap the person first. So already John wants his readers to understand that his body has not been stolen. Apparently around the time John was writing his gospel, there was a theory amongst some that Jesus' body had been stolen and he didn't really resurrect. So John seems to be very careful here to show, because he was there on the day, that it can't be grave robbers. This also contrasts with the resuscitation of Lazarus, which is in the Gospel of John earlier. Because if you remember the resuscitation of Lazarus, Lazarus walks out of the tomb with his grave cloths still on. John wants his readers to notice that something radically different has happened to Jesus. uh, Jesus has apparently taken his own cloths off. So John, he peers into the tomb and he can see the cloths, but he does not go in. Apparently, he recognizes Peter's authority as the leader, and he doesn't want to go in until Peter arrives. So, Peter goes in, verse 7, he sees the cloth that had been over his head. And John mentions, the Apostle John, the author, mentions that this cloth that had been over his head was not set down with the other cloths. It had been rolled up in a place by itself. All of this suggests that this text has been written by an eyewitness, by John himself. It's very hard to explain how they would have known that otherwise. So again, John is probably including all this information about the grave robber because there were some people who claimed that the robbers had broken into the tomb and stolen the body. 
So John's point is that the headcloth in particular, being rolled up neatly, indicates that it wasn't robbers. It appears that someone has carefully and slowly wrapped up the cloth deliberately. That's John's point here. Verse 8, John goes in, because Peter's gone in now, so John thinks it's safe to go in, and the text says he sees and believes. So, there's some debate about how much John actually believes at this point. What does it mean when the text says he believes? Because the verb believe can mean he began to believe. And that would make sense, because there's apparently some things the apostles don't yet fully understand. Now, notice what John believes in response to. He goes into the tomb and apparently he believes in response to seeing the head cloth rolled up. That's what makes him believe. Something about that makes John believe that Jesus really has resurrected. And that particular fact is analysed in the Catechism. The Catechism of the Catholic Church normally doesn't do a lot of apologetic sort of stuff, but it does, in one part of the Catechism, talk a lot about the fact that these um, cloths are rolled up. And we'll talk about that when we look at the Catechism sections. Let's now turn to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which of course is the summary of official church teaching. And we'll have a look at two paragraphs in particular. The one which is most relevant for us today is paragraph 640, which is part of the discussion about the empty tomb, where the Catholic Church and the Catechism here really tells us what to make of all this business about the cloths. So paragraph 640 says, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. The first element we encounter in the framework of the Easter events is the empty tomb. In itself, it is not a direct proof of the resurrection. The absence of Christ's body from the tomb could be explained otherwise. Nonetheless, the empty tomb was still an essential sign for all. Its discovery by the disciples was the first step towards recognising the very fact of the resurrection. This was the case first with the holy women and then with Peter. The disciple whom Jesus loved affirmed that when he entered the empty tomb and discovered the linen cloths lying there, he saw and believed. This suggests that he realised from the empty tomb's condition that the absence of Jesus' body could not have been of human doing and that Jesus had not simply returned to earthly life as had been the case with Lazarus. So, a really striking paragraph, and it covers all the things we've talked about today. The fact that they see the cloths rolled up in that way suggests to Peter and John, firstly, that his body hasn't been stolen, and secondly, that his Jesus' resurrection is not like Lazarus's resurrection. So, we have an apologetic argument here that the Catechism is building towards to show that the resurrection did really happen. And then we also have paragraph 515 in the section about Christ's whole life is mystery. And it says, From the swaddling cloths of his birth to the vinegar of his passion and the shroud of his resurrection, everything in Jesus' life was a sign of his mystery. His deeds, miracles and words all revealed that in him the fullness of deity dwells bodily. And it goes on from there. So the catechism there sees a Uh, a similarity between the clothes that wrapped Jesus when he was a baby and the clothes that wrapped, the cloths that wrapped Jesus when he was buried. And of course, this is where um, we get the traditions about the Shroud of Turin from. 
And the theory is that these cloths, which John saw when he poked his head into the tomb on this day, one of them was the shroud, which is now being preserved. Um, so that's worth looking into as well. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you've learned something new. If you have, please share it with other people. And if you want to hear more of John chapter 20, most of it is read in the days following Easter. So if you look from Easter Sunday onwards through the podcast archives, you should find most of John chapter 20 there. Thanks, and hopefully you'll tune in again tomorrow.